Hello, konnichiwa. Welcome back to Japan Education with me, Lawrence Dennis.、Uh, I am an American、uh, English teacher in Kyoto, Japan. And、uh, on this podcast, I talk about living and working in Japan, being an English teacher in Japan, being an English teacher in general, or a teacher in general,、uh, or anything else that happens to be going on with us.、Um, And, and things that are going on in the world,、um, as I do talk about stuff that is relevant to what is happening in the world right now,、uh, the date of when I'm recording this is relevant. I'm recording today on Monday, February 15th, 2021. It is the day after Valentine's Day, and I thought I'd start there for a minute. This, is, this was. Well, okay, Valentine's Day in Japan. Is a,、um, it's largely a similar holiday to how it is in the United States or、uh, other Western countries.、Um, Valentine's Day is a very commercialized holiday.、Uh, it is a big time of year for, for chocolate companies or chocolatiers.、Um, but I would say the one、uh, difference between, for example, the United States, where I'm from, and、um, And Valentine's Day in Japan,、uh, which is that、um, Valentine's Day in the United States typically has、um, it's, it's one day in which、uh, both men and women maybe exchange gifts, like a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or partners,、um, or、uh, I shouldn't say men and, but, well, both men and women, but not necessarily to each other, you know,、um, uh, alternative. Uh, lifestyles with different kinds of relationships that aren't, you know, the, the mainstream、um, are all, but basically、um, anyone exchanges gifts with anyone、uh, on Valentine's Day in the United States. Whereas in Japan, it is、um, quite rigidly defined as a day for women to give chocolate to men. And Not even that, it, it's, it's not only limited to、um, you know, people who are in a relationship.、Uh, in Japan, on Valentine's Day,、uh, basically women are kind of culturally obligated to give chocolates to like any man in their、uh, kind of day to day life, like any man that is. You know, a part of their sphere or, or of their world,、um, including those that they work with, even if they don't necessarily want, care for the person or like want to give chocolates to the person,、uh, it is, it will actually reflect poorly on them as an individual if they don't give chocolates to the person.、Um, Japan has like, They even have names for these different kinds of,、uh, like the chocolate that you give to someone who is a friend, and the chocolate that you give to someone who is someone that you work with, or one that you're giving out of like obligation just because you have some kind of a working relationship with them.、Um, there, there are even different names for it. Like、uh, that last one, it's called giri choco, and giri just means kind of like duty. So it's like a, a Chocolate given out of like obligational duty,、um, even if you don't want to, it is still expected and it will reflect badly upon you if you don't do it.、Uh, obviously, I've come right out the gate,、uh, like expressing kind of my negative bias towards this.、Um, I think it's a pretty outdated practice.、Um, I believe last year, maybe, or、uh, perhaps the year before, but I think it was last year, actually, Godiva, I think, I believe it was Godiva, took out、um, like a full page ad in like one of the major Japanese newspapers、um, just before Valentine's Day saying, hey,、uh, this practice of like women. Being basically forced out of cultural obligation to give chocolates to, to all of the men in their life, and even people that they don't like and don't necessarily care for,、um, 
is is way outdated and like needs to change um and uh you know uh i think generally anyone who is pro gender equality people you know feminists and um generally are on board with that sentiment uh, as am i at being a, a feminist um i am totally on board with that sentiment um that being said I'm not going to lie, it does feel nice to go to work and get a lot of chocolates on February 14th, or in this year's case, actually, it was today, February 15th, because Valentine's Day fell on the weekend, um, and when that happens, basically, um, the the women will um, choose the, the next and nearest day, uh, so if it's generally, probably if Valentine's Day falls on a Saturday... Uh, you'll probably get chocolates on Friday and or pass out chocolates on Friday. Whereas this year it was on a Sunday, so on the Monday afterwards. Uh, so I did go into work today and get a lot of chocolates from, uh, from co-workers, and it does feel kind of nice. Like, I, I totally think it's outdated, and I totally think it needs to change. Uh, I, I don't think I will miss it if it's gone. It, you know, I, it's not something that I, I care about and will, like you know mourn the changing of a tradition if it does eventually go away as it should uh but um it it does feel kind of nice to get chocolates uh so yeah that um that's what's going on with valentine's today oh uh, i should mention um while valentine's day is clearly one-sided here in japan it's all women giving to men japan does balance the scales a bit with um what is uh with with white day a day called white day which is exactly one month later it's on march 14th um uh, which is also pi day um because it's 3.14 but anyways uh on on white day um it's it's basically the reverse it is the chance for men to repay uh the women however it is still not totally balanced because it's still like the women do it first and then the men repay um which is like so like you know if if say for example like basically what happens on white day is men just give chocolates back to whoever gave them chocolates right so if you didn't get chocolates you don't have any kind of um you know obligation or cultural obligation to to give chocolates to a person that didn't give you chocolates you know what i mean so like um it's a little bit different it's a it takes the pressure and it takes that kind of cultural uh duty off of the men a little bit uh, more so than the women so it's still not totally balanced and and uh gender neutral um but I, I mean, at least it's not, you know, completely just one-sided where it's, they only have a day for women to give to men. So they do have the reverse, uh, but it's still not totally balanced. And even if it was totally balanced, like still that idea that you have to give chocolates to someone, even if you don't like them, is fucked up. <laughs> and also like, A lot, I mean, uh, young people will, like, young women will give chocolates to each other. They will exchange among friends, like, woman to woman. But generally, like, adults don't really give um, chocolates to other adult women. Generally. Like, at least I don't see that in my workplace. Like, I don't see... Uh, basically today you know that all of the the women in the office went around to all of the men's desks in the office and handed out chocolates i didn't see any of them uh give any chocolates to their fellow female co-workers you know so it, it is a really weird thing um it's extremely commercialized uh i don't i'm not sure when that tradition started in japan um, it's like Valentine's Day itself is obviously not a, um, it's not a native Japanese tradition. Uh, it's not a, a part of traditional Japanese culture. It must be something that 
came from influence from the West. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure exactly when or how it started and developed into what it is today, uh, which is as I described. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it, it's interesting nonetheless. It's different from my home country. Um, I, I mean, Valentine's Day is dumb in general. It, it, I wish it would go away. <laughs> it's a... Uh, like, my general feeling about Valentine's Day... Like, yes, it is nice to, to be romantic, and it's nice to do something. Uh, you know, if you're in a relationship, it's nice to, um, you know, take a day and make your, your partner feel special. But, like, if you need a day on the calendar that is officially designated for that day, then, you know, maybe you need to take a, a closer look at yourself or your relationship. Like, you shouldn't have to have a designated calendar day for that. It's just a commercial holiday is all it is. Um, it, it really should be, like, you should be making your partner feel special any given day of the calendar year. Um, like, I don't know why... Valentine's Day is dumb. It, it needs to go. Anyways, that's my personal opinion. But um, that being said, again, I'm not going to lie that it feels nice to get chocolates. Uh, when you're working at a school, by the way, like uh, as a teacher, um, you get a lot of chocolates from students also. <laughs> uh, and then <laughs> it just so happens that uh, White Day, um, March uh, 14th, pretty much happens during spring break every single year so like what happens is uh on valentine's day you get a bunch of chocolates from female students and then white day is on spring break so you don't have an opportunity to repay the chocolates to students um so as a male teacher in a high school it's kind of nice not gonna lie i mean it's i still think it's dominant it should change and if it does change like i won't miss it but like it's still I, I reap the rewards, and um, it feels good. So I'm a big hypocrite, and uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> uh, but this year, uh, actually, uh, I got zero chocolates from any students. Well, actually, what is typical on Valentine's Day is, um, uh, well, for students at least, um, adults probably less so. Uh, but for students, it is quite typical for them to um, have, like, make a project out of, like, making some kind of chocolate sweets or, like, cookies or brownies or something like that. Just making something uh, homemade um, and, like, you know, putting them in little packages and stuff so that they can bring it to school and distribute it to, like, their the boys in their class um, and, their, and the teachers as well. Um, and so, like... Usually, uh, the the chocolates that I get from my adult co-workers is all, like, store-bought stuff. But the, the chocolates that I get from students is generally actually homemade, handmade stuff. Um, but, uh, obviously because of the pandemic this year, um, well, not obviously, but because there is a pandemic, um, they, I believe they have been... Uh, discouraged. I, I don't know because I actually, uh, my homeroom isn't currently in school, so I, I haven't been, like, meeting with students as a homeroom, so I don't know what kind of announcements students are receiving at school these days, actually. Uh, but um, but I, my guess is that they have been discouraged from actually bringing homemade chocolates to, uh, to school to distribute, uh, just, you know, to limit any possible chance of spreading uh, a, a horrible infectious disease that is currently plaguing our planet um so yeah that's uh so yeah i got i got nothing from students this year um but that's fine like again whatever <laughs> uh, it, it's a a tradition that needs to go and hey, I mean, if the the coronavirus pandemic is something that helps to bring about the end of this stupid, outdated tradition that is, like, just an excuse uh, for um, for commercialism and capitalism to, to do something on this day, like, 
the good riddance. <laughs> that's my that's my thoughts about Valentine's Day. Um, and again, like I I am a I consider myself a romantic person. Like I like romance. I I, I love watching romantic movies, and I I you know I cry at romantic movies. Like I consider myself a romantic, but like you don't need a, a freaking holiday. I, I can swear on this pod, podcast. You don't need a fucking holiday to dictate when you should be romantic. Like, and if you do, then that's, that's an issue with you. That's not an issue with anything else. Um, so yeah, Valentine's Day is dumb. It should go, but all right, I'm moving on. This week has been whirlwind in uh, in Japanese news. Um, God, it's been wild. I mean, we uh, uh, big elephant in the room. We had a big earthquake um, this past weekend, um, and when I say we, I do not mean me personally because I actually. Um, so again, I live in Kyoto. Uh, the earthquake happened in. Um, uh, Oh my God! I'm blanking on the name. Why am I blanking on the name? Uh, where the uh, the the big earthquake happened ten years ago. Whoa! Why is I? Why have I totally blanked on it? The Tohoku area, um, uh, up north, basically. So Kyoto's uh, more southern. Uh, the earthquake happened up north, and um, that's so weird that I just blanked on the name of the prefecture. But any, but the Tohoku region is the correct region, so at least I'm right there. Um, but anyways, um, it was a quite a large earthquake. It was uh, like seven, seven point three magnitude or something like that, which is big. Like that, that's a big earthquake. Uh, but like uh, Japan in general, Japan's earthquake readiness and and all of that stuff is like pretty good. Um, there have been no fatalities reported, I believe, so far, which is awesome. And um, you know, while there ha- while there has been damage to buildings and roads and stuff, like the fact that there are no fatalities with that big of a uh, of an earthquake, like only in Japan, seriously, like that that can't happen anywhere else. <laughs> an earthquake that size, like anywhere else in the world, there would be you know, hundreds of fatalities, probably, uh, but Japan uh, is, uh, they know what they're doing when it comes to earthquakes, like, they, they get a lot of them, and so they are ready for them, um, but yeah, it, it was a big earthquake, um, and, uh, but down here in Kyoto, like, we're quite a ways south from there, and, uh, didn't feel it at all, apparently it registered as, like, a magnitude 2 here in Kyoto, uh, but it happened like around 11 o'clock on Saturday night, or, or was it Saturday or Sunday, or no, Friday? I think it was Saturday. Yeah, I think it was Saturday night. Um, 11 o'clock. I was already in bed and asleep, and I slept right through it. Didn't wake up at all. And even like going into work on uh, today, this morning, uh, I started talking about it to one of my coworkers, and their response was wait there was an earthquake <laughs> so like one of my coworkers didn't even know another of my coworkers said they they were awake uh and watching tv but like didn't notice a thing didn't feel a thing so like e- even people who were awake didn't even notice anything here in in kyoto so i'm totally fine um you know there are some people who have been displaced from their homes, uh, which is, is rough. Uh, I think, like, with, um, I, I heard a news story that basically, like, the biggest issue is access to water. That's kind of the biggest, um, the biggest hurdle in just, like, dealing with the aftermath and recovery process is just, uh, getting the people who need it, getting them access to water. Um, but, uh, but again, like Japan has learned a lot from its years and years and, um, decades and decades of history, modern history with, uh, earthquakes. And so they are pretty good at, you know, 
getting the recovery process moving along, getting people back to their normal lives as quickly as possible. So I, I would imagine um, while there, you know, it is horrible for the people who have to go through it, I imagine they're going to be kind of getting back to normal life within the end of the, within this month probably, which is amazing. Um, so yeah. Um, but the, yeah, that was big news. Um, uh, big stuff going on with the Olympics. Uh, I don't, I mean, it's wild what happened with the Olympics. So like this guy who was the head of the Olympic committee for Japan, uh, a guy named Morty, he made like a really sexist comment about, um, just like how if women, if more women are involved in meetings, like, because they're so competitive, if one woman starts to talk, then all the other women feel like they need to speak up because they have, like, this kind of competition or competitive spirit within them, and so, like, anytime there, like, the more women you have in meetings, the longer the meetings drag on, because, like, if, if one woman talks, then all women have to talk, and it just keeps going and going and going. Ridiculous statement. A ridiculous statement coming from a man who probably spends more time talking in those meetings than any anyone wants him to. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Um, like, apparently, even the the other committee members, maybe not everyone, but several of the other committee members actually laughed in response to that comment. Like. It's just a, a, a very severe sign of, like, where Japanese politics is. Um, it's not in a, in a good place. I mean, it's, it's out of date. Like, these politicians are old. This guy who's the head of this committee, he's 83 years old. Like, he should be retired, you know? It's, it's wild. Um, so, that happened. It, um, it got picked up by local media first and um you know the uh the guy apologized for what he said but he also said like things like well i'm you know uh i'm sorry but like i just i i don't talk with women these days so i don't know what women are like anymore like you know it's just like this weird kind of non-apology stuff like uh you know it's kind of like when people say, well, I'm sorry if you were offended by what I said, you know, which is like not really an apology. So, <laughs> you know, it's like putting it on the on the other person like, oh, you were offended by what I said. So it's your fault for being offended, you know, <laughs> rather than me being wrong. Um, you know, that kind of weird non-apology stuff. Uh, and, uh, but he, 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 he did that and it looked like it was just gonna be swept under the rug, but then foreign news outlets started to pick up on this and started to, like, basically shame Japan, uh, and, uh, and then, uh, basically people started calling for Morty to, to resign and, and just, like, you know, step down and, Suga, the Prime Minister Suga, didn't say anything for a few days, but then he eventually did say, like, hey, Morty, you should step down, you should resign. Um, and then he did. Uh, so uh, he stepped down, and then, or, you know, the way Japanese politics works is, is like, w- weird. Like, they can't make decisions, like, super quickly. They need a little bit of time to, like, prepare everything for whatever reason. So, like... Uh, but they will, like, announce that a decision is happening. So, like, they basically announced that he's going to make an announcement about stepping down. So, like, between that time, between that first announcement and then his actual announcement of stepping down, there was all this speculation happening of, like, who's going to replace him. And basically, uh, it came out that, like, the guy that Morty was talking with to, like, become his replacement, to become his successor, was... Uh, a guy who was actually, like, even worse <laughs> than Morty himself. A guy who's, like, this ultra-right-wing, like, historical revisionist uh, dude who is even older than Morty. One year older than Morty. Uh, and, like, even worse. And then, like, the guy, it, like, it looked like, um, what was this guy's name? I forget. Oh, Kawabuchi, I think, was his name. So this guy, Kawabuchi, he was going to 
uh, hire on. He was going to keep Morty on as an advisor. <laughs> so, like, he was going to replace Morty, but keep him on as, a, as an advisor. So it would just be, like, seriously, even worse than what we had in the first place. <laughs> we have the misogynist as an advisor to the ultra-right-wing racist uh, bigot. Like, just absolutely... Uh, it's a comedy show. I mean, it's ridiculous what was happening. Uh, and then, so that got picked up by news uh, and and got a lot of backlash. And um, and then, f- um, uh, f- like, finally, um, uh, I think the Japanese government basically said, like, no, you can't choose this guy Kawabuchi as your successor. The Japanese government basically blocked uh, Morty's, uh, you know, uh, Morty's choice of his successor. And so, um, so Morty did step down. Uh, he stepped down last week on Friday, I think. And uh, a successor has yet to be named yet. I'm, I'm sure it will be chosen at some point this week. Um, people are saying, well, I mean, everyone is saying it should be a woman, first of all. <laughs> uh, so if it's not a woman, that is a, a big mistake by uh, Japan's, uh, you know, on Japan's side. Uh, but um, there's also talks that it might be like two people, like two like co-chair persons. Um, who knows? But uh, anyways, that should happen this week. Uh, meanwhile, uh, I don't know if anyone, if you guys saw this, but meanwhile, while all this is happening, the official Twitter account of the Olympics, uh, like the the International Olympics Committee, like the, their official Twitter account, it's at uh, Olympics, I think, on Twitter, uh, changed their like banner on their profile page from a banner promoting Tokyo 2020 to a banner promoting Beijing 2022, the Winter Olympics in Beijing coming up next year, um, which is a very big move by the Olympics. Um, I, you know, maybe they're just trying to to put an end to it. I, I like no one is really sure yet if that means anything or what that means and why they did that I, I think I, I haven't heard anything of, of, or any kind of announcement as to like why they did that um, but it would seem on the surface to be just like a big like alright maybe it's time to give up on Tokyo 2020 and just like just cancel it uh, which is what should happen in my opinion like I mean it's ridiculous that it's still planned to go ahead as uh as scheduled this year Uh, it's it's absolutely nuts um it is really not what japan needs it's it's not really what the world needs right now like (laughs) but certainly not what japan needs there's japan does not need uh, a bunch of athletes coming to this country (laughs) in the middle of a global pandemic uh from around the world uh you know, in an effort to like, I mean, what does Japan gain from this at this point? What Japan has nothing to gain from this, it seems, other than, well, no, Japan has nothing to gain from this, other than just not letting the money that they've already spent go to waste. But they still have to spend a lot more money to follow through with this. So, uh, yeah, Japan really has nothing to gain from continuing to go through with this, uh, as far as I can see. Uh, it, it's, it's nuts. Uh, but, hey, here we are. So that's what's been going on with the news in Japan this week. I did want to talk about... I, I'm not going to talk about the impeachment uh, trial that happened this past week in the United States. Um... I have uh, partially because I actually haven't followed it super closely. I've I've kind of kept abreast of just the the headlines of what's happened, but I haven't really watched super closely. Uh, basically, because it was kind of a predetermined outcome. Like it it sucks, but it it was basically a predetermined outcome. Like we knew that he was he wasn't going to be convicted. Um, everyone pretty much knew going in 
Um, it's it's good that like I think what seven uh, seven Republicans voted to convict. Is that right? I think um, seven Republicans broke uh, party lines and and voted against Trump. I think that's good, but like um, you know, I I think most people in their heart of hearts knew exactly what was going to happen with this trial. Like, I, I don't know anyone who actually thought that Trump would get convicted from this. Um, like, you need 67 votes. That's nuts. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Uh, you'd need 17 Republicans to change... <laughs> to, to turn on the president. <laughs> Which is just... Yeah, no way. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, so, uh, like, I haven't really followed it that closely because I, I kind of, I felt like I knew what the outcome was going to be. Uh, so I'm not going to talk about it any more than that. I'm just going to move on to um, me and what's going on uh, with me as a teacher and uh, at school. So, like, this past week, last week, uh, our school was closed to our own students, but we had our um, our school's entrance exam. So I work at a private school uh, in Japan, which is um, quite different from working from a public school in a lot of ways. Uh, one of the biggest things is like you have to actively think about student recruitment and um, and you know, because you need, your school needs to attract students, uh, because otherwise they could just go to a, a public school. <laughs> so you need to, uh, actively, you know, work on, uh, on recruiting students. You need to give students, uh, a reason to want to go to your school, uh, and give parents a reason to want to send their kids to your school. Um, but, uh, like that all kind of culminated, like we spend basically, you know, the whole year, campaigning doing different things advertising campaigns and like open campuses and things like that uh campaigning to attract students to come to our school and all of that culminated uh last week with our school's entrance exam so all the students who are potentially interested in coming to our school came uh last week to take our school's entrance exam and um i like i don't have too much to say about the test itself uh, our school, I think I've mentioned this before, but just to say it again, um, our school is, uh, has different uh, courses in it, like basically depending on what the students, uh, how the students' academic performance is or what they are interested in studying, in, in, in pursuing uh, academically. Uh, I am, as an English teacher and as a, uh, you know, as a, a native English speaker and an English teacher, um, I am most involved with the students of what is called the international course at our school, uh, which is the students who go to study abroad for almost a, a full year during their uh, second year of high school. Uh, and um, so it is the, the smallest course at our school in terms of student numbers. Uh, but it's it's a pretty important course at our school. It's it's I think the most expensive course at our school. I, it must be because <laughs> studying abroad ain't cheap. Uh, but yeah, it, I th I believe it is uh, the most expensive course at our school. So it is a, a even though it has lower student numbers than in the other courses, it is a, a big um, source of revenue. So like anything that happens in terms of student recruitment, um, I. I'm really only focused on uh, recruitment for the international course and involved in that. And the same goes for the entrance exam. Uh, there's different... Um, on the whole, the entrance exam is mainly the same for all courses, but there are different things. Um, like there is an uh, English interview, for example, for the uh, international course that uh, students who are applying to any other course do not have to go through. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I helped with uh, interviews of students, of, of prospective students, and um, that was, you know, it's kind of fun, uh, especially if you think about like, well, I'm probably going to be teaching these students next year. I mean, you know, if they come to the school, 
Um, these are the students that I'm probably going to be teaching. So you think about like, <laughs> I kind of look at it like, uh, like, you know, when you're uh, a student in elementary school and you're, you're on the playground and, or like you're in gym class and you're choosing teams, you know, <laughs> like if you're made a team captain and you have to choose, uh, your team members, like, um, which is a, a really weird thing for students to do. Uh, that puts a lot of pressure on, on like peer, you know, it, it opens a lot of potential for bullying. I don't, I wonder if that's a practice that is still done, um, at, at schools. But anyways, uh, yeah, it, it is kind of like that. It's kind of like choosing teams, you know, uh, you, you get a, a few minutes to talk to these students and, uh, you know, it's, you don't really get to know them very well, but you do get to hear them speak English and, um, and so based on that, you're kind of like, Ooh, I would like to teach this student next year. Yes. Let's, let's, uh, give them a good score. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Um, it, it's kind of, that's kind of fun, I guess. I'm sure it's not fun for the students. I think it's pretty nerve wracking for them. And, uh, you can see how nervous they are a lot of the time. Uh, but it's, uh, it's still kind of fun. Anyways, um, so that's what I did last week, uh, and uh, like I said, the school was closed for our own students who are, you know, already at our school, not, not the prospective students. Uh, they stayed home and just uh, studied at home for a week uh, while we were doing uh, exam stuff, entrance exam stuff, and uh, so today, going back to school on Monday today, was the first time that I saw you know, my regular students, um, for, for a week, and, um, I was not super pleased with my students, uh, and here's why. So, I, I have a class of students, uh, where I see them five days a week, I see them every day of the week, uh, and, um, we do a, like a, a class that is mainly focused on academic writing uh, and it's partially to prepare them for doing the IELTS test which is the, like an English proficiency test um, it's a standardized English proficiency test that's uh, put out by Cambridge um, this is partially to prepare them for taking that but it's also just uh, like an introduction to academic writing uh, which they will go on uh, this uh, this is a class for what grade level their first year high school students in japan which uh in terms of western grade levels that is 10th grade uh so these are these are 10th grade students who um for the rest of their high school career will continue to do academic writing and research papers and stuff like that so like it, it is partially to prep them for the ielts test but also just gen to to prep them to prepare them for the rest of their high school career, uh, writing, at least with, with us in our classes. Uh, so anyways, um, I gave them some homework to, I gave them some practice essays to write, uh, during the week that they would not be coming into school. And I told them, look, uh, I've given them, I gave them four essay topics to write about. Um, which seems like a lot, I know, but these are short. I mean, English is their second language. They're not writing like, you know, five page essays. <laughs> you know, these are short essays that are about a page uh, each. And uh, they actually have a time limit. So they are supposed to be writing these within 40 minutes. Um, so like, you know, four 40 minute essays over the span of a week is not a lot. <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like that's pretty reasonable. Uh, that's a, a reasonable amount of work to ask them to do. Um, and I said, uh, I said when I gave this assignment to them, uh, so this is, you know, a week ago or two Fridays ago, um, I, I said, look, I'm giving you four essays to write during this week, but here's the thing. If all of you, uh, there are 10 students in this class, if all of you give me four essays... Uh, on the Monday that we come back, that means in one like in one moment, <laughs> I am going to be flooded, inundated with 40 essays to check all at once. 
and I don't want that. <laughs> that is overwhelming, and I, I like. I don't think. Um, I think you guys can understand that like that would be unpleasant for me, and I I don't want that. Um, but I do think you guys need the practice, so I do want you to do them. Um, and I, I want to check them for you and help you give you feedback on them. So here's what I would like you to do is take uh, throughout the week as you are doing this essays, I would like you to, um, when you write one, take a photo of the paper that you write. They're, they're meant to handwrite these because, um, because uh, they have to handwrite them during the actual test when they take tests. And so they need the handwriting practice is all. Um, they could have done it on the computer, but I just I felt like giving them the handwriting practice is is you know more practical um, uh, experience for them, like they, just to to give them the actual experience of of just that muscle memory and the the physical act of writing. Uh, I felt like it would be better for them. So, anyways, uh, I, I said uh, so. Here's when you finish writing an essay, take a photo of the paper. Send me the photo of the paper by email, and that way I will have a, like a, a slower stream of incoming essays, and I can check throughout the week, uh, even before you come back. So, and I, I, you know, I told him that, and I said, okay, you understand? And everyone said yes, and I was like, okay, great, thank you. Uh, do your best and uh, send me your photos uh, when, as soon as you can. And um, so going through the week, you know, I was busy. Like, I've got my own stuff going on. We're, we're, doing, we're working. We're doing um, entrance exam stuff, all this stuff. Like, I was busy. I, I didn't really... Um, like, I knew that I wasn't getting emails from the students, but I also just didn't really feel like pestering them. Like, you know, they're they're 10th graders like they should be a little more responsible than that like they shouldn't need me looking over their shoulder constantly um it's, it's just my feeling about it um and so i wasn't getting any emails from them but i i just let it go i didn't say anything to them uh but as you know as the week went on and i still didn't get any emails from them uh i, I just kind of gradually got like more and more kind of not pleased with them but I still didn't say anything so it's partially on me for not saying anything but like I again I feel like at this point they should not need me breathing down their necks to get them to do their work like they should be a little more responsible than this um so anyways uh on Saturday just seriously two days ago like so the whole week went by and then Saturday so on the weekend uh, I get the first email from one student who is, sends me one of their essays. Just one. One student sent me one of their essays, and they said, I'll send more later. And then uh, that was the only one that I got that day. And then on Sunday, I got uh, three more from that same student so I got all four of them by Sunday uh, and then I got four from another student and four from another student and uh, and that's it three students excuse me three students in total out of ten sent me uh, essays as I asked them to and it was on the last day. I mean, they might as well have just waited and given to them, them to me in class. Like, it's the weekend. I'm not going to check them on the weekend. So, like, there's no point at the point in sending them to me online. Like, you know? So, uh, basically, nobody did what I asked. You know, even the students, even, you know, the one student who sent me an email, or those three students who sent me emails, like, it's still too late. So, like, no, none of the students did what I asked them to do. And so, basically, I went into school today, or I went into class today, just not feeling very pleased with them. And also, I was cranky because I didn't sleep very well uh, last night, and, um, well, I hardly slept at all last night, and so I was just tired and sleepy. And this class happened to be the last 
class of the day, the last period of the day. Uh, and so like I was tired and cranky and uh, not pleased with them. So I, you know, sometimes you're just not pleased with students. Like I love these students. Don't get me wrong. They are great, great kids, but I was just not pleased with them. And like, what do you do in that situation? You know, uh, generally my feeling is just like just be honest with students just tell them exactly you know why you're upset um, why you feel like they let you down or you know or, or whatever like I don't think yelling at students is ever a, a productive solution um, however <laughs> in Japan uh, a lot of teachers would tell you otherwise. Um, Japan is, is has a lot of teachers who just yell at students quite a lot. Uh, but um, for, for me, like, I don't feel like yelling at students is ever really productive in any way. Um, I have raised my voice to students before, but I've never, like, act, just out and out shouted at students, I don't think. Um... I can't remember doing that at any point. Unless it was just once to just get people to shut up because, like, the class is too loud. Um, I, ha- I have probably done that. But, like, yelled at them just because I'm mad at them. Like, when, it, it, you know, if they're just, if they're quiet and listening to me, like, I will just talk to them like I am now. Like, I will just speak to them like an adult. You know, I, I my general mo with students is to treat them like adults you know especially at that especially in high school junior high school they're a bit younger so like you might you you can't always treat them like adults because they don't always know how to handle that responsibility um but generally i think in high school like they're old enough at that point high school is 10 is from 10th grade onwards like 10th grade they're they're 15 right uh and so like they're they're getting to the point where they're they're old enough that they should be taking responsibility more um and i just kind of treat them like adults and so i i tell them like hey so here's what i did in class i mean i I basically just told them what i have been saying here on the podcast was just like look i'm really not pleased with you guys today I'm really not happy with you. I, I really like you guys a lot, and I think you're great. Uh, but today, I am I'm really feeling angry <laughs> at you, and um, and I explained why. I said like, look, I I actually I asked them directly. First of all, like, do you guys remember why I asked you to email me your essays? Does anyone remember? And nobody said anything. Nobody, nobody raised their hand. It was they just sat in silence. And I said, "All right, well, I guess not. I guess that explains it." But the reason why I asked you, and I told you this in class, the reason why I asked you to email them to me was that so when I came back to school, I didn't suddenly have a flood of forty essays in one day that I should that I needed to check to to help you. And, um, basically that's going to be happening now anyways. And, um, and then the other thing is like, I heard from their homeroom teacher that some of them were working on the homework this morning, uh, when they, after they arrived at school, they were working on finishing up the homework all, uh, even today. So it wasn't even finished for some of them by the time they got to school after a a week of nothing you know I mean I'm sure they had other homework to do but like they had a week to do four 40 minute essays like that's not that's plenty of time to get it done certainly before you come into school on Monday morning Um, you know uh, so they didn't do what I asked Um, and some of them didn't even finish before today. And so like, I told them, here's, here's my feelings about this is like two things. Um, I'm not pleased that you didn't email me the essays, uh, because 
well, first, because I asked you to. Uh, and that was something that I asked you to do to make my life easier out of the courtesy to me. And I, I explained that to you and you all seemed like you understood and you all said, okay. Um, and by neglecting that, it feels like you haven't respected me. And that hurts, and, and that makes me upset. And then the second thing was that, like, now I, I also don't know how much time that you actually gave to this and how much effort you actually put into this. You know, I give you homework so that you can take it home and take your time with it and do your best work on it. Uh, and I'm really not interested in seeing work and correcting work and giving you feedback on work that you have rushed to finish in the morning before school starts. Okay? that's uh, I'm really not interested in seeing that because that's not going to be your best work. And I don't feel like it deserves my time. You know, I, I'm busy. I, I have to help a lot of students. I have you aren't my only class that I teach. I teach other classes as well. Um, so I have a lot of students to take care of. And I just don't feel like I sh- should take the time to check. Or I, I mean, I don't have the time. I just don't have the time to check all of your work. And so, like, if you're giving me work that is not your best work, then that f- makes it feel like you're wasting my time. So I feel like... So I'm coming into this class today feeling like you haven't respected me and you uh, are potentially wasting my time by giving me work that is not your best. And that hurts and it makes me upset and uh, I'm just not really pleased with you. And I just told them all this. And that like, you know, I don't know what is the best way to do with students in this kind of a situation. I don't know. Um, Like, I became a teacher uh, on on the job, basically, with on-the-job training. Um, I have never had any formal education, educational training, other than doing a uh, a course on uh, TEFL, on teaching English as a foreign language. I did that online um, and got a certificate uh, that I, I did that. But other than that, like, I, I've never had any, like, really formal training um, in education. And so everything that I've learned is just kind of on the job. And a lot of it is common sense stuff. Um, so, like, you know... Uh, that is the reality, I think, for a lot of, uh, especially for a lot of ESL teachers um, in around the world. Um, a lot of us do it as like not something that we were originally trained to do, uh, but we kind of stumble into it. And so a lot of us are figuring this out as we go. So uh, like th- that's the whole reason I'm telling this story. It's just kind of to put out, put out there like this is what I did in this situation. I I don't know if it's the best thing to do. Um, Maybe there were better ways to handle it. Maybe there are other things to do. Um, After that, what I said was, um, well, look, so here's the deal is now I have this collection of 40 essays that you've all given me at once. And that is really overwhelming to me. And um, like I said, you aren't the only class I teach. I have other classes I need to deal with as well. So, like, I don't have a ton of time to look through these. Uh, it will take me a lot of time. So, what's the best thing, I think, so that you and I can be on the same page and we can have a better mutual understanding and mutual respect about this is I would like you guys, if you want feedback from me, what I would like you to do is take some of your own time and come to my office hours after school. And if you do that, and if you take time out of your day to come to my office hours, which like I'm doing office hours anyway, so like it's it's not using up my time. It's it's time that I would be giving to them anyways. But if you come to my office hours and give up some of your time for me, I see that as a 
as a uh, more respectful thing and I would be happy to sit down with you and kind of go through what you wrote together with you um, but if otherwise if you don't do that I, I don't really I'm just not able to give you feedback I don't think I, it's possible that I just will not have the time to check your essays and give you feedback um and so I, I just told them that. I kind of explained that to them calmly. Um, but again, making it clear how, like, upset I was and disappointed I was. Uh, but, um, but like, trying to be reasonable. And, um, and it, after I had that talk with them, every single student uh, arranged a time to meet with me after school this week and, and come to my office hours. And so, like... I don't know. I, I think that's a good thing. Like, of course, it means I will be busier after school <laughs> throughout this week. Uh, but I, overall, I think it's a very it's a very good thing. Like the students are taking the initiative. They are hopefully recognizing how that made me feel, recognizing the disrespect that that was, and that they have decided to take time out of their day. And this is after school time, so it's time that, that, you know, they could be hanging out with friends, you know, they could be doing something fun, but they're going to take that time to come and see me and, um, and just, you know, touch base with me and, and get feedback and, and take it a little more seriously. Uh, so I feel better about it after having done that. Um, and I think, I think I handled that pretty well. So, um, basically... That's kind of my general advice for if, you know, for teachers out there or, um, you know, if you're like me and you never had any, like, educational training, uh, again, um, but, you know, if you find yourself in a situation where you you get mad with students because they didn't do their work or, like, something like that, like, just take the time to explain it to them, you know? Excuse me. Uh, Treat them like adults and just say, like, hey, look, you guys... This makes me feel crappy that you did this, and this is why. And, like, I like you guys, and I think you like me. Like, I don't think you want to make me feel crappy, but do you understand that you did make me feel crappy? And I think that's, like, you know, it's it's taking that opportunity to teach students not in the subject that I teach like that wasn't an English lesson but that was an English that was a lesson in just like empathy and and compassion and just being like a you know someone who pays attention to uh, how their decisions might affect other people Uh, and you know taking responsibility for for their actions and how how that affects other people Um, so uh, you know I don't know I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it will have any lasting effect for these students. Maybe not. But hopefully it will for at least one of them. And um, they might be a little more respectful of uh, my assignments or other teachers' assignments like that in the future or anything anything else. Um, so that's uh, that was my advice. Uh, that's kind of what I experienced and what I wanted to talk about today. Um, it's just like what happens when students uh, what do you do when students disrespect you and the answer is just just talk to them calmly I, I really don't think like if I had gone in there and just been like hey you fuckers <laughs> you dipshits what are you what, like what the fuck is wrong with you what are you doing why didn't any of you like if I had gone in like that like I don't, I don't think that's very productive Um, so yeah, that's what I said. That's, uh, yeah, that's what happened to me today. Uh, happy belated Valentine's Day to all of you. Uh, that's, that's it for me today. I've got some things to plug, uh, just some, some quick things, uh, to promote for myself. Um, if you are at all interested, um, I have started another podcast with, uh, one of my, uh, very closest friends in the world. 
um, uh, his name is Henry, and we do a podcast uh, that's called Besties Besties. And basically, the premise of that podcast is just um, we are besties. We're we're very good friends. We're best best friends. Um, and we talk about the best things. We talk about our besties. Uh, each of us, each, w- each week, we bring to the table two besties each to talk about. And they're just things that, they're things that we are calling our besties. But basically what that means is just it's, it's things that make us happy, you know? Things that, things that bring joy to our lives uh, in one way or another. And they can be as simple as, um, you know, coffee in the morning. You know, something like that. It could be a, a book or a TV show or something like that that we liked. Um, you know, any anything at all that just brings us happiness and brings us joy. Um, and so it's just a a. It's about an hour long each each episode, and they're like just an hour of of joy, of real positive. Uh, positive energy. So if if you want to sit down and listen to something, uh, listen to two two guys in their 30s be real positive about life for <laughs> for an hour, um, I, I would urge you to give it a listen. Um, we've got like f- I think four episodes out now so far. Um, it has been just an absolute pleasure to cre- to make uh, with my friend and um, it, like just doing it each week recording it each week fills me with joy and uh, I hope that that joy comes through in the actual recording it's just something that's really fun to do it makes us happy uh, and we hope to spread that kind of positivity and and happiness Um, so check out besties besties Uh, it is available I think on all podcast platforms uh the the thumbnail there's a lot of podcasts with besties in the title um if you're looking for ours uh i think it is the only one that is called besties besties twice with with besties twice but um if you're looking at images at thumbnail images the our thumbnail image is uh, a picture of of uh a fist bump two two fists coming together and it says besties besties underneath um so look for that uh, the other thing I wanted to uh, promote is, actually, I've got a few things related to crosswords uh, that I am working on. Uh, I've mentioned before my love of crosswords and and that I am kind of putting more effort into doing more crossword-related things. Uh, one of those things is I have started to make my own crosswords. And right now I'm just um, putting them out for free on the internet to, uh, for anyone to, to try and do um i have a website it is called alpha bento like alphabet but with bento like bento box like the the japanese style lunch boxes uh so that's alpha bento.com a-l-p-h-a-b-e-n-t-o.com uh it is um there's not much there at the moment as of this recording there is one puzzle a a mini crossword that is up and available for you to solve Uh, but there will be more coming so um, you know bookmark it come back Um, I I should maybe set up some kind of like uh, email subscription so that people can be notified uh, when a new puzzle goes up but uh, for now just, just bookmark the website um from there, there are a few links to other things that I'm doing, um, and notably on YouTube, I also have a channel that is called Puzzle With Me, and uh, you can see me uh, go through the New York Times nearly every day. I publish a video like five days a week on there, um, where I it's just me solving the New York Times, and it's... It's been kind of fun. I, I talk through it as I solve it, and um, it, that has also kind of turned into like a podcast kind of thing, because uh, like I, I talk about 
the, the stuff that is in the grid, I talk about my feelings about the puzzle itself, of course, but, like, I also occasionally, like, go off on little tangents about something if, if there's something in the grid about Star Wars or whatever, you know, <laughs> something that, uh, that makes me laugh or makes me smile or something that I, uh, makes me think of an anecdote that I want to tell, like, I, I might just break and just ramble on for a little bit and tell a story and then go back to solving the puzzle. So it, it's kind of turned into uh, a sort of miniature uh, daily podcast that I'm doing. It's not so miniature. I mean, it's like uh, maybe 20, 15, 15, to, 15 to 30 minutes, depending on the day, depending on how difficult the puzzle is. Um, so check that out. It's, it's Puzzle With Me, uh, and all of the... Uh, all of the videos are um different like uh they're just uh new york times it's only the new york times crossword uh so so go check those out and that's it um thank you so much for listening i really appreciate it uh i hope that this was illuminating for you from like you know a teacher's perspective on uh you know how to deal with students that uh disappoint you or annoy you (laughs) and i say annoy but like i really do love these students they're great they're really really nice kids and and really fun to to be around uh but hey even people you know everyone lets you down at some point and i'm I'm sure that um i probably have let them down or or maybe will let them down at some point Uh, you know i don't want to but that's just part of being human and so you just got to be communicative about that. So anyways, uh, I hope you all have a wonderful week and uh, take care. And I will talk to you again next week for the next episode of Japan Education. Thank you so much. Sayonara and have a great week. Bye bye.